Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Final hour of ours on this uh, Tuesday morning, foggy and kind of nasty out there this morning. Be careful as you get it going. It was a nasty uh, night for the Longhorns women's basketball team at the Moody Center last night. They got uh, overwhelmed by Louisville in that defense. Longhorns going to have to improve the offensive side of the ball for Vic Schaefer. I know it's built on offense and, or excuse me, defense and physicality, but they're going to have to get some, some more scores on the floor. That was evident last night. Uh, and they missed a lot of layups. I don't know. I've seen a game where a team missed so many short shots. I mean, fifteen missed like fifteen layups on the night. Didn't shoot from three as three very well either. Just not their night at all. And the Longhorns' women's season's over. The men's will continue into Kansas City this weekend as we get this. Thing. Yeah, that was tough for the ladies last night. I don't, I don't know preparation or whatever, but I know he he'll take the blame for what happened last night. But it just some some nights you don't have it. It doesn't you know. Happens, but not it's, typically this time of year. That's kind of a regular season conversation. Yeah, because uh, that was a run through last night well, in the and, second and, and third and, quarter. And, oh, sure. I mean, uh, twenty-one to seven, and well, I remember it was sixteen to sixteen in the first quarter, but they jumped out to a big lead. I mean, it's like seven or eight to nothing, uh, ten to two. Uh, they just didn't start well. Uh, a bunch of turnovers early, and they battled it back to get to sixteen to sixteen. But then the second quarter went even worse than the start of the game. And it was all Louisville. Give them credit. They were a team that beat Texas in the regular year back in a tournament game way back in, in November, but then turn around and win this one. because Yeah, you know, that's the, a good Louisville team last Well, night. and the disappointing part is this was because Ole Miss pulled the huge upset of Stanford. If you win this game last night, you're going to play Ole Miss, not Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, one seed's been knocked out. Indiana got knocked out uh, last night as a one seed. So, uh, obviously, South Carolina is the prohibitive favorite in this tournament, but uh, the door had kind of opened in their bracket, and Louisville was the team that took advantage of it. Texas men, um, you know, they'll get ready for Xavier, uh, a quality team with Sean Miller, very good on offense. They're not as good on defense, and uh, that's what you know, we talk about. Those, those I've seen several rankings now that have – a lot of the websites are doing the top 16 teams remaining, 1-16. to 16, And most all of them I see have Texas sitting there at number three uh, behind Houston and Alabama. Uh, some variation of Bama and, and Houston at one because those are your one seeds remaining. But, man, when you look at uh, what, what Houston does, what Texas do, uh, the thing that separates Houston and Texas from the other two teams, Miami and, and Xavier, is their defense. All four teams are, are in the top 15 in offensive efficiency in the country, but – if you look at defensive efficiency, Houston is number four in the country, and uh, Texas is sitting there at number nine or ten in the country. So uh, really good on both ends of the floor. Uh, that's what Houston and Texas are, and they seem to be on a collision course. But Providence and Miami will have something to say about that Absolutely. on Friday. Absolutely. Those both will be good games. And someone texted this. You know, it's way back. My mom, 
my mother, who's doing good, she's bound to the hospital now and back home. That is great. Hopefully, news. she's listening to us this morning. She's had a kidney procedure that led to some some blood clot issues that she was fighting through, but she's doing great now, and hopefully on the on the on the clear side of that. Well, she uh she sent me the text way back and said, "Hey, mark your calendar. You know, the Final Four is in Houston, and it's also Astros opening weekend. How about that? Really? Funny? Yes." Yes, you could. Uh, trying to get a hotel room there? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, if, if you were so inclined, and I know I want to thank our friends at Centex Tickets, right? They're giving away those yeah, Final Four tickets. tickets. Shelby yeah. and the team over there. Yep. Well, you think Men's and women. Because uh, the women's tournament's in Dallas. So we thought, well, why not give our listeners a chance to, you know, you can drive up there uh, to be at the Final Four in Houston or Dallas, and or both. And uh, so we're giving those tickets away at our website, hornfm.com. But uh, obviously the Final Four would be in two weekends with the Saturday games and then the Final Four, the championship game on Monday night. If you were so inclined, Buck, the, uh, the, the Astros' home schedule opens that weekend. They'll hang a banner for the World Championship if you're an Astros fan or just a baseball fan. Um, you know, that's pretty good. That'd be a pretty cool weekend, would it not? You don't see Altuve playing in that game anytime, do you? No, For the I do first not. couple months not. of the season, maybe, maybe until June. I do not see them uh, playing. I mean, Otuve, I've seen everything. There, there's a Fangraphs article that says the average for a thumb injury like that is, you know. Six, six to eight weeks? Four weeks. I've seen it. It just depends on the thumb and how severe. And the, even the Astros said they won't know how severe until they get in and, and sure. do the surgery. But um, I think it's because here's the thing, right? He's right in the middle of the of the of uh, of spring training and then the World Baseball Classic. If he's out for a month or longer, then he's going to have to go to rehab. He's going to have to go sure. down to the minor leagues and work his way back up. So, I mean, if you if you count him out for April, I would say May. I would say May, the first time you'll see Jose Altuve back. And the Astros don't have a lot of great options with that right now as far as what they're going to do. Oh, really? Well, David Hensley, uh, Mauricio Dubon could be on the roster, guys. They don't really have a prospect at second base. Uh, they just thought maybe they could pick somebody up. Uh, but I, I think David Hensley, the – It'll be weird to have, if you have a six-six second baseman, but that's David Hensley. He's a shortstop by trade, but they could move him over there. Um, and then Mauricio Dubon is another guy, but neither of those dudes is Jose Altuve. And because of course he's bats at the top of the order, uh, igniter at the top, he won't be there for a little bit. But it's a long season, and, if you, and if you know the Astros, they're they're typically a slow starting team anyhow. Um, Just give somebody he, else he is, an opportunity he is a, right he, now. He is a slow starting player. Jose Altuve. But, uh, yeah, that could be a pretty cool weekend. You could do the Astros home opening weekend. You could do some Final Four. And what do you know? What if Texas were there? That would be great. <laughs> uh, that would be a good weekend. That would be an all-timer. And, obviously, even if it's not Texas and it's Houston, that would be pretty cool to see the uh, um, Houston Cougars in Down their hometown. Go see Jimbo practice? No. 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 Yeah, we talked last hour to Mike Craven who I thought that was interesting because he was at the press conference yesterday and he said, you know, because we played the cut where he was asked about play-calling duties, will it be he or Bobby Petrino who's been hired? And he didn't really have a very good answer for that. Basically said, you know, we'll work our way through that, which you think the easy answer is, oh, no, Bobby's the offensive coordinator. He'll be calling the plays. No, that was not so much. Not so much. They never worked that deal out when they hired him. Or they did, and he's now changing it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Um, I can't see that not being worked out, not being – or he just doesn't want to tell the media. He just wants to play around with them. Yeah, that's too. He could be being cagey. That's and all. And just knowing it's going to like – but don't you – I mean, come on. He doesn't have the record to be cagey. No. Like he just – what did he win, four games last year? And they would have fired the guy if it hadn't been for uh, the buyout that his 
agent negotiated. Yeah, I would. I, I don't would, think you're in a place to be cagey. No, just kind of be honest with what's going on. And you want to build some goodwill. You want to, hey, we're as Mike said, the the future is bright. Bobby Petrino's here. We're excited. Half your Let's team go. left you last year. But you know what? What what being cagey did it, it plays into the narrative that Bobby Petrino didn't that uh, Jimbo Fisher didn't want to hire a new offensive coordinator. He didn't want to be introducing Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator because he wants to keep calling plays, which that just gave that further ammo that this could be an acrimonious situation down there. But, uh, by the way, that Astro series was with the Chicago White Sox. The home opener is on Thursday the 30th for Houston. The uh, Friday night game will be when they are given the World Series trophy. So you could make the Friday game get to the Final Four games on Saturday if you win those tickets from Sentex Ticket. There are two of them, of course, and then you could uh, maybe catch the Sunday game. On your way out. And then depart. You're right. Yeah, that'd be pretty good because the Sunday game is a day game, I believe. And it's Jeremy Pena bobblehead night at the ballpark. Cool. Jeremy Pena, your World Series MVP. What a stud. What a run he had as a rookie. Another uh, stud replacing uh, Alex Carlos Correa comes in and becomes a stud at shortstop for that Astros team. Uh, speaking of studs, can we go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, a Tuesday college baseball visit with our man Ty Harrington. He is our skipper, 20 years, the head coach at Texas State, now doing great work on TV and radio for both the Longhorns and Texas State. Skipper, how are you? Well, I'm wonderful. I'm, I want to revisit the idea you just called me a stud, so I'm fired up. You <laughs> just made my whole morning. So, um, I'm way I'm way above average now. So and and E, glad your mom's out of the hospital, safe and and feeling better. By the way, yeah, me too. And uh, it was a little, a little scary for a, for a short bit there, but uh, looking good. And I'm glad she's home. And hopefully she's listening to us here this morning and hears and hearing your well wishes, uh, Coach. Here it is. Now we're 21 games into the season for the Longhorns. The first. You know, 11 weren't great. The last 10 have been wins. And now you've got one more tune-up. And to get yourself ready for conference play, I know as a manager you kind of play this thing in phases. you got to be, you know, where are you right now if you're David Pierce with this ball club headed into conference play this weekend? Well, they're certainly evolving and trending in the right direction. You're starting to see that they're trying to, you know, get a little bit of cohesiveness in that lineup for sure. And, you know, you go from, I think, earlier in the in the year around 240 or two something like that now to 277 they're starting to evolve offensively and i and there's several reasons for it um and i think a lot of it is you know you start to watch eric kennedy and and what ek is doing not only from a power perspective but you know obviously we everybody that knows him knows how fast he is and how he can create offense with his feet and his legs and and uh, and with contact and and peyton powell who it really kind of started back in Fullerton when he started really getting long, long looks at the baseball and started hitting balls back to the middle. Then his power is starting to emerge a little bit more and, and, and come out and with three homers. But with Kennedy with seven homers, and, and again, Eric Kennedy has the ability to be one of those player of the year in, in the Big 12. He does. And now with that kind of experience, his work efforts and all the above, and so – um, you know, Porter downtown, as Keith Morton loves referred to him, the true downtown Porter Brown. <laughs> I, I would like to, I would like to, I would like to see how many pitches that young man sees in a game. I mean, he gets really long at bats, and you know, it's rare that he's a two pitch out. Um, I mean, he goes deep into counts, has the ability to, and the confidence to go. You know, in the counts where he gets two strikes, it doesn't seem to bother him. He kind of hangs there. And then Mitch Daly is starting to, to hit again. 
and uh, over the last play two, three weeks, he's really starting to turn the corner uh, offensively and, and a guy that can create offense in multiple ways, not just you're hitting him. And he's able to, to safety squeeze and, and hit and run and do different things. That, uh, so it, they're, they're, they're evolving and trending. If, if people love to use that uh, and that word. And, uh, and then I think ultimately Dylan Campbell with his power, you know, he's starting to put out power performance again now. And he, he's going to heat up even more at some point in time. I mean, he's got four homers um, on the year already. But at some point, the consistency of what we saw last year, what everybody saw a year ago, uh, is going to start to come out in him as well. And no better time than right now heading into conference when you get right down to it. And the last thing I'll say about this team, not the last thing I'll say, but before I turn it back to you guys, is when you go in there and you look at Woody, what Woody Williams has done with that pitching staff. Mm. And you're talking about an ERA of 281. Now, that's real stuff. And that's starting to get real with what they're doing. They're starting to find those roles as to who's going to be who and the starting part of it, getting the rotation. Now you got Morehouse on the back end. I mean, that's 95, 93 to 95 with a power breaker on the back end. That swing miss stuff. Now, the reason for that, when you get to the back end with three outs to get in a game, and let's just say you got to go defend one of those three outs with your defenders. Um, that's not not a bad thing. When you got a guy with swing miss and strikeout type abilities, that really helps out. That takes attention out of those defenders late in games. Agreed. And uh, speak to that pitching because we talked to Coach Pierce last week, and um, he kind of foreshadowed what we saw this weekend. Because I was asking him, how do you, you know, LeBaron Johnson Jr. probably into the weekend rotation? What about Zane Morehouse? What and, and what we saw against New Orleans is. I'm assuming what you're going to see a lot against Texas Tech and moving forward, Lucas Gordon Friday night, Zane Morehouse, as you mentioned, closed that game out, gave you the last three outs and uh, got a save in a 3-1 to game. Then on Saturday, Travis Staley was, was really, really good uh, in a 15-1 to blowout win, but he pitched six of really efficient innings. So Travis Staley moved up to Saturday, and then LeBaron Johnson Jr. was Sunday, and it kind of feels like Morehouse could close – could, could be the second guy or a closer on Friday, Sunday, with Chris Stewart in there on Saturday to try to close games. And these are the roles we talk about, Coach. You're trying to finalize those things as you get into the most important time of your year. Well, you got Charlie Hurley, too, now. Yeah. Don't forget, I mean, that young man at a 170 ERA, now he pitches the contact. It's not going to be like over-the-top swing-miss stuff. What he loves to do is he loves to get the ball in play and or get you out in three to four pitches. I mean, he's really efficient with it. He gives you a multi-purpose guy that if you're if you're knocked up in a in a two-two game in the sixth, you could see it this weekend in the sixth inning. All of a sudden, you go to him on Friday or Saturday, whichever game it may be. He rides you out for three innings, right? Holds you right there and gives you a chance to win the game. Gives your offense a chance to score late because I mean, he has just been really, really good coming out of the ball. Likes it coming out of the pen. Doesn't seem to bother him and you know, like we, we've talked about this before, some people's heart rate is different when they're starting as opposed to when they're relieving. When they're relieving, they're amped up, and they're you know, and all of a sudden it takes them a hit or two to get their command back underneath them. Well, in relief, you don't have that time. I mean, you're going out there. You, when you put your spikes in that dirt, you know, you got to have command ready. And matter of fact, you better have breaker command ready when you go in with runners in scoring position. And, and so Charlie Hurley's able to do that. I think Shaw has been able to do that as well. Heston Toll, you know, Burke, all those guys have been able to come in. And, and, and really, truly, Max Grubbs was good the other night when I saw him. And when we had him on radio, I mean, he came in. That ball, 
has some tremendous sink to it and uh, a lot of ground ball potential. So that, that staff, when ultimately pitching in the end and defense, and you're starting to see their defense get back up to the 972. Now, not to the 982 where it was a year ago, but which was unbelievable. They were number one in the country. But you're starting to see them evolve and starting to get those roles defined uh, as the starters and where they come in and relief, and it makes it comfortable for those relievers moving forward. And that's just part of the game in college baseball. An injury can all of a sudden change all of that. A bad outing could change, or, you know, two bad outings could change all that. But you're starting to see them evolve into that and to their roles. Coach, can, can competition change that too? I mean, some of the teams that they've been playing leading up to this, you know, while they're on this winning streak, have not been like they're getting ready to face. But can that start to change? Can you start making different rotation moves during conference play, even even though the conference has started? I mean, does that happen? It's not necessary that you're already done in March making some of the moves that you're, you're, you're thinking of. When the competition ratchets up, guys react a little bit different? Oh, there's no question they do. I mean, that's that, you know, you always have a handful that really love, embrace, and step into those moments, Bucky, and, and really live for those moments. And then you have some that aren't quite as confident going into those. And those are the ones that, you know, you, you, you put them into certain situations, five up, five down, mm-hmm. uh, is what a lot of guys, you know, coaches use as a, as a, a gauge for them. And, uh, but th- yeah, the, the, you keep evolving and moments. I think the big word now is high leverage moments. People like to lose. I get it. But really the big moments in games where coaches understand Hey, and it might be in the fifth inning or it might be in the seventh inning. This game is probably about to be decided. And those are the moments what you don't want to do as a coach, which has happened to me multiple times in my career, by the way, you learn the hard way. You make that mistake of having the wrong guy in that moment. And you look up at the end of the game and you're like, what, why did I do, you know, put that in that situation? Right. You know, and, and could have used, could have used so-and-so who, who fits that moment better. The game got decided in the sixth instead of holding him in your back pocket till the ninth inning. But to answer your question too, Bucky, yes, along with that, it's a constant evolving. And now that the, the conference is here, you know, then it gets a little bit more on the line. Sure, there's going to be guys that embrace it more than others. Ty Harrington, our skipper here on V&E, and of course you hear him on uh, games with Craig and, and Keith and the whole crew also doing Texas State games who have a big conference series opening up this weekend. Let me ask you, I know Tim Tadlock, uh, the skipper there at Texas Tech is a good buddy of yours. They're 18-4, and four, but I do notice Texas Tech has only played three road games all year. They've played every game at Dan Law Field there. Uh, they're 18-4. They're and four. Their only road games were down at Houston in a tournament where they went 1-2. and two. So they've loaded up on home games. They had a conference play. Uh, what do you know about this team? What does Tim Tadlock think about this year's group of Red Raiders? Yeah, you know, Tim and I got a chance to visit early in the year before they even got cranked up game-wise, or maybe the week before, and really we're catching up and just seeing how life was. And uh, But to be honest with you, he, he felt like they were really athletic. Um, he felt like they could do multiple things offensively. Uh, he felt like he could play, you know, multiple people in different spots, which, gave, which gives him, you know, some flexibility in his order. Um, I think one of the things, if you go in there and you look, statistically one of the areas he would probably love to improve on is the defensive side of it. I mean, I, they're, you know, fielding wise, they're not, you know, fielding as well, like 956 or 960 something, which is not normal for them, uh, particularly on a turf facility uh, like Texas tech is. And as you just mentioned, playing so many games at home. And so I, I know it feels like, you know, that's something he'd love to improve on. But when you look in there, 
and you dig some numbers out, and they're hitting 325. That's pretty good in college baseball. That's similar to what you saw the Longhorns hit on the whole year last year with that great offensive team they had. And then also on top of that, you're looking at a slugging percentage at 556. And so when you start looking at guys, that means they're hitting lots of doubles and homers and extra base hits, obviously. And so that, there's a lot of athleticism, he felt like. And then certainly the, the stats will tell you the same thing when you start glaring at them. Ty Harrington and uh, Texas State plays Coastal this weekend, right, to open up Sunbelt play for, for, for Coach uh, Coach Trout down there. I think it's Coastal in town, or are they going to Coastal? Oh, they're going to Conway. No, they, they, no they're going to Conway, and they opened conference last weekend. And actually – Oh, that's right, uh, Southern Miss. Even them had a, yeah, they had a great week last week. They beat, you know, Coach Trout's alma mater, TCU, and really and truly took complete control of that game from the first pitch to the very last pitch. Uh, at no point did I feel like that night, now that, you know, each game's different, you know, that I feel like TC was really, you know, going to get up and get after him. But uh, Texas State did a great job. Then Southern Miss came in, 25th-ranked Southern Miss, who hosted a Super Regional that had Ole Miss come out of their Super Regional a year ago. And Southern Miss's first year, it's got Barry Nim's first year in the Sun Belt. Uh, Texas State lost game one, which was a great game on Friday night. But Levi Wells... Uh, moved into Saturday, who is their number one pitcher. He sat out last week due to a small injury. He was back in. He came back on Saturday and was just dynamite. I mean, he was electric for five innings, six innings, and held Southern Miss. Uh, and it was still a great game. Texas State uh, won on Saturday and then came back again on Sunday. And, uh, and they, uh, the series winning game on Sunday and played about as complete a game as they played. They were able to get enough starting pitching. But offensively, Chase Mora, the freshman, I think he's got eight or nine home runs of his 14 or 15 hits. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That young man, and not a ginormous kid by any stretch, and now he's, he's hit two home runs out to center field. That used to be a huge deal. <laughs> and he is, I mean, just taking on that field, ain't nobody's business. And then really arguably, and a lot of people can argue this, and, and only because I've seen him a lot, Jose Gonzalez, the left fielder for Texas State, if he, he's really a professional-looking hitter right now. His approaches, the balls he hits, how hard he hits, his bat speed, and he just doesn't chase out of the zone. And, boy, he is just really an accomplished hitter for those guys right now. And now they're starting to play great defense. And it's funny. Not funny. It's ironic. When you start looking at these teams, they're starting to trend in the right way, Texas included, and Texas State. You're watching these teams' offense start to get better, but really and truly you're starting to watch that pitching and the defense starting to evolve for both of these teams. And that's what's going to take you a long way. And uh, I mentioned, I didn't mention this, but Texas Tech has already opened conference play too. They had a home series with Oklahoma State last weekend in Lubbock and took two out of three in that ball game. Uh, so they'll come in two and one in conference. The Longhorns' first conference game will be uh, Friday night. Obviously, you got to take care of your business tonight with Incarnate Word in town. Don't sleep on that ball game at 6.30 tonight at UFCU Dishfalk Field. And you hear it right here. What games are we going to hear you on this weekend, Ty? Well, this weekend, I will be here in Austin, Texas. To have the Texas Tech series. Nice. And uh, I'm really excited and fired up to be in Austin and, and to do the games. I have a blast doing it. Um, I know that it'll be with uh, multiple people because I know Craig Wade, you know, y'all got that, that basketball thing that's going on right now. <laughs> it's pretty exciting, by the way. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. And congratulations to Coach Terry and the team. I mean, I, you guys chronicle it all the time, and rightfully so. He has done such an unreal job. 
and, and, and Bucky, you know this, and everybody, get, if you've been in the, in the locker room before, and when there's something that took place, like what happened, the unfortunateness with Coach Beard and all the different things, when you have a guy that, that, that takes the reins and that whole staff, I mean, that whole staff, and you watch, it's so much fun to watch those players around him and around that whole staff and how they embrace each other and how they do truly the culture care for each other and what they're trying to accomplish. And, man, I hope as an, as an alum at the University of Texas and a fan, I hope they win a national title. It would be a lot of fun to see that, obviously. But they've been a lot of fun to watch this year from a coach's perspective for just the, the, the unity they have and the conformity they have, uh, their will and their desire to go out there and win every time has been a lot of fun. No question. The culture of care. I like that a lot, and they uh, they carry that with them. You and I got to take in a game together when they beat Creighton, and Creighton's a Sweet 16 team as well on the other side of the bracket. Hey, Ty, appreciate it. Uh, we'll be listening this weekend with Texas Tech in town. It's Big 12 baseball. Some of the best games of the year will be coming your way this weekend, and we look forward to it. Thank you, Ty. Thanks, Coach. Gentlemen, thank you all. All right, Ty Harrington. There you go. Uh, it's Prostate prostate. Men's Health Awareness Month, too, that by the is. way. Ty will always remind you that he battled uh, uh, cancer himself in, in his early 50s, and so he always reminds us to get that check. It uh, doesn't take long, and it can save your life uh, without a doubt. But, yeah, that's where it's at. It's uh, uh, Texas Tech in Texas starting on Friday night. It's Incarnate Word tonight. Red Raiders are 18-4, and four, but as he mentioned, the defense can be an issue for them. Longhorns are sitting at 14-7, and seven, but they've won 10 in a row going into tonight's contest. Ride that streak. Ride it. All right, pitching and defense has to be there. Uh, surprising to hear that number with Texas Tech. That is a bad fielding team if they're all the way down at 950. Yikes. And uh, they're playing on turf and mostly at home, as he said. We'll be back, B&E, with you. Pick up these football and basketball and baseball conversations. We'll preview the World Baseball Classic Championship game coming up. Also, Longhorns getting ready for Xavier. It's b It's Bucky and Aaron. A wide-ranging show today on a Tuesday. We've talked college basketball, college baseball, NFL signings, learned about Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, Larson Pippen, spring football, Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. And uh, Coach Harrington right there. Also last hour, Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas football talking all things Longhorn practice and Aggies practice and the uh, the college football that is underway uh, all over the country now with, with spring practices happening, which has brought a lot of conversation. Glad those guys are out there with their sponsors hitting that golf ball. You can't find the golf ball now if you hit it down there by the water. Eh? Yeah, the fog has rolled in for the practice round at Austin Country Club where the uh, 64 of the best players in the world have uh, gathered. They're doing their little practice round today. That's always a lot of fun. It's always a good day to get out there a little, little more loose, a little more, uh, you know, the players will chat with you a little bit uh, on this day because you know tomorrow, Buck, it's head-to-head, my friend. Head-to-head. It's just about the time when I hit Sandy Lyle in the ass. You're playing a the golf pro-am. Ball. Yeah. Playing you, a pro-am. You ever play match bang, play? Bang, bang, You ever play match play? Yeah, my guys don't like to hear when I say I'm playing match play. They don't want to hear that. Oh. I mean, when you get a guy one-on-one and say we're playing match play, they go, oh, no, we're not. I will say, as a golfer who's kind of, you know, I've been good, and then I had, didn't play much last year because my foot was hurt, and then I'm getting back into it. I'm about to get that handicap going back down, my friend. But um, I think I've played some of my best golf in the in the rounds of match play that I've played because we always used to oh, play. Oh, you a, think like that. It's great to play that way. Well, because you can have a bad hole. Like like if you're if you're playing and you blow up and you post a snowman or something, it kind of ruins your – I mean, you've got to stay mentally into it and keep going. But sure. if you have a bad hole in match play, it's just a hole. And you can come back and – 
double down and get that guy back. I mean, that's just really the the head-to-head nature of the match, which makes it a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I I enjoy match play um, even more than stroke play a lot of times because you're not playing against you or the course. You're playing against an opponent who you have to beat on a a given hole. Makes it a lot of fun. And they'll tee that off tomorrow with the group play. Remember, normally PGA Tour events are four days. This is a five-day event because they have three days. a lot of golf. It is a lot of golf. Uh, it is a three-day of pool play events, and I think the featured featured matches tomorrow. If you're headed out there or want to head out there, thinking about it. I mean, if you don't have your tickets now, it might be a little late to get those. But so is this the this they are this starts the Texas swing from here to go to San Antonio. Now, do they go to Houston before they go to the Masters? No, that Houston won't be till next 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 year. year. Yeah. Okay. So now it's yes. it's from here to San Antonio, and from San Antonio to the Masters. That's correct. Okay. Next year, there's a lot of belief because I don't. They haven't announced the official schedule yet, but the the kind of running work idea is that it's going to be Houston, back down at Memorial Park uh, in Houston. Will take this spot, uh, or will it take the next week's spot? One of these two. It's going to be. Valero will still be there. Valero, yeah, Texas Open. Will I still mean, be I there. think there's a chance it goes down to San Antonio, then to Houston. So yeah. San Antonio would take this week, coming off. The Valspar, okay, because the Florida swing this wrapped up, right? They played, yeah, they're done uh, through the Players Championship, and last week in Tampa, there at the uh, the Snake Pit, where the Snake Pit kind of jumped up and bit Jordan Spieth on number sixteen at that that course and cost him a chance. But uh, so then they're going to come to the Texas swing, and I would guess, just guessing, next year next year would be San Antonio this weekend, then Houston, mm-hmm. then to the Masters. To the Masters. Now yep. he could go the other way, but. Um, you know, San Antonio is a tough tournament. That is a tough golf course, man. Ooh, is it ever? That is. Even for the best players in the world, it's windy typically. And that's something we mentioned earlier with the weather. If you're looking at it, the, the clouds are going to persist most of this week. The the Saturday, the, the Thursday round is supposed to be really windy. And it's always kind of windy down along the water oh, there. Oh, yeah, it is. At Austin Country Club. But it's supposed to be really windy on uh, Thursday. So that obviously could come into play. That would be the second uh, day of pool play. Uh, in that that situation, but man, really looking forward to tomorrow. I love the John Rom v head to head match with Ricky Fowler. That'll be tomorrow. Because remember, in the pool play, one uh, on the first day, one plays four, and then two and three play, and then mm-hmm. of course they round robin it, and so the, the they'll play each each other one time, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But tomorrow, John Rom is the number one, the number two player in the world playing number forty nine, Ricky Fowler. That'll be fun for a while. Yeah. You don't think so? You don't think it'll be a chance? But, but, no, Ricky Fowler's playing pretty well. He has been playing pretty good. I, I he's still wearing the popsicle outfits. He's elaborate. or well, No, flamboyant. Yes, very flamboyant. With his dress. I kind of like that. Yeah, they'll be in Valero next week, then the Masters, then they go to Hilton Head. So um, we'll see what that schedule looks like next year. And Well, I mean, it's it's a, it's a bittersweet situation. It's It's been cool having it for eight years, and they, this will be the seventh year they played it. Of course, they didn't play it during COVID. But uh, this is the last one. This Absolutely, Finney, All she wrote. We've gotten to see Scotty Scheffler win once. Jordan Spieth's been great, and obviously the year that Tiger Woods was here was uh, was an all timer for the capital city to see Tiger yeah, out it was. there. That was a must. That was see. cool. They did get Tiger here. They did. Hey, here's a piece of breaking news from the Longhorn practice field. Longhorn practice field. It says uh, Texas quarterback Malik Murphy fully participating in the portion of practice we were allowed to see on the media side. This is from Andrew R. Richardson of OrangeBloods.com, receiving second-team reps while Arch Manning was receiving third-team reps. Oh, they're paying attention. So Malik Murphy back on the field. Well, it's good to see that he's actually back in the action, back in the thick of things in practice. And some. Has he ever been in the action since he's been here? I feel like he's Not been really. the entire time. Well, he hasn't Not been really. here he's that been long, injured. has he? Yeah, he has. A year. Well, he came in a year last... in spring. Yeah, well, he's here. 
That's uh, we're just used to seeing guys. Are, I don't know. He's he doesn't been here that long. He just a, he's just a young redshirt freshman. He's not Troy O'Meary, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, last year you had uh, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, and I don't think he was going to play much. And let's also remember that he had an injury coming out of high school in his senior state championship game in California, where he got hurt. So he didn't get to participate in the spring last year. And then remember, Sark said that during the summer, once they got him on the field, they they rebuilt his mechanics. Right? He went through a full you know, release mechanic rebuild, uh, kind of from the top down, <laughs> the bottom up, or whatever you want to put it. So he's now, he's really kind of a fresh, fresh raw prospect at this point. But man, the size, big tall kid, uh, wanted to come be developed by Steve Sarkeesian when coming out of California. And so, yeah, it, it, that's, that's his trajectory. If you're, but if, because he was more of a running quarterback and he was playing in, out there in the California, one of the smaller divisions in California football. Uh, so they rebuilt his his release and his throwing motion, and now he's having to work through that. But he's back on the field. He missed the first week, but there's still a good stretch here, right? The, 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 the first week of three practices, then the break, and now they'll get back at it for here through the uh, through the spring game on April the 15th. Yeah, he's got to get to know this offense eventually. He's got to get some reps. Got to get some reps up in there, man. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it's about. And the fact that Arch Manning took the, the second team reps last week mm-hmm. or the first week of, of practice is interesting. But that'll obviously be a topic moving forward. Um, but Malik Murphy back on the field, and uh, that's going to be a conversation moving forward without a doubt. Well, I just like to see it for him, so he gets an opportunity to play a little bit. I mean, that sucks being in the tub for like two years. Sure, without a doubt. Uh, and I think I think this Friday. Am I right on this with my schedule? I'm, I think it's it's the UT uh, coaches camp, coaches clinic this weekend. Oh, I think that happens this weekend. High school coaches come from yeah, all high over. school, and I believe Kyle Shanahan is the featured one of the featured speakers there, uh, which is you know pretty cool to get the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers head coach who's done such a great job there. He of course a lifetime Longhorn himself. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I believe, is the uh, the keynote speaker at that cool. event. Cool. And who wouldn't want to come in and learn some ball? From Kyle Shanahan, absolutely. If you're a high school coach or a coach out there for the Texas Coaches Clinic, so that's coming up. I think it's this weekend, but I'll double check on that coming up. So that's where the Longhorns are. They're back on the practice field at DKR today, not over at the Denny's Fields. They hit the stadium today. We'll have uh, Steve Sarkeesian with an availability after practice today, so we'll have some of that sound to bring your way tomorrow on a Wednesday edition of B and E. We're coming right back. We'll tee it up for the rest of the day. Reset our top stories. Get you ready for the night in sports, including the World Baseball Classic Championship Game. It's Bucky and Aaron. I think that might be some music they're playing at the stadium during practice right now. Uh, also, in addition to Malik Murphy participating in spring workout number four today, Jonathan Brooks, the running back, bracketed practice course, had hernia surgery this offseason. He took reps with the first team wearing number 24. That's out this morning. Steve Sarkeesian afterwards. Oh, the, that'll be interesting to see how this emerges. They're going to practice today, Thursday, and yes, the uh, coaches' clinic is Friday and Saturday uh, up there at the uh, up there at the U University of Texas. So that's the schedule for the week on the football field. We know the Longhorn basketball team is going to play on Friday night, last game of the eight Sweet Sixteen games on Friday night at eight forty-five. We'll, it's a later. It is. It is. They'll play after Houston plays Miami in the early window on Friday night. So yeah, two game. Uh, you know. Four games Thursday, four games Friday. Longhorns are the last one and a chance to uh, get to the Elite Eight. Of course, if they win that game, the Elite Eight game would be on Sunday. So quick turnaround just like last week. So be ready for that. Uh, tonight, it's a game that uh, you should all be tuned into. It's the World Baseball Classic, Japan and USA. It's the matchup everybody would have wanted just when it started because uh, 
the Samurai Japan team have won, what, a couple, three of these? Uh, World Baseball Classics, Team USA won it in 2017. They're looking to go back-to-back. So it's, uh, you know, over over history, these are the two best teams in the world, uh, Japan and USA. Uh, boy, Venezuela made a strong run this year. They had the, uh, the USA down in the eighth inning, and then Trey Turner hit that grand slam. Looks like the... Um, that Merrill Kelly, the right-hander of the Arizona Diamondbacks, will get the, the start tonight for Team USA. Uh, he started the, the the Pool C finale against Columbia and yeah, pitched three good innings. Japan, the people thought maybe Japan was going to go with Hugh Darvish or even Shohei Otani, but they're going with a left-hander, Shota Imagana. Uh, he will get the ball southpaw. That means the Astros outfitter Kyle Tucker will not be in the lineup. But uh, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, the Texas State Bobcat will be batting third tonight. Nolan Arenado, Kyle Schwarber. Will Smith, Pete Alonzo, Tim Anderson, Trey Turner, your lineup for Team USA. And I think the question everybody will be asking is, uh, could we see Shohei Otani pitch? He can come out. Of, he may come out later on and pitch. They get a lead. He said he would. Hey, bring it. I saw some video of him just casually lifting 460-foot rockets into the upper deck there in batting practice. This guy's ridiculous. And uh, Japan and the USA. Ty, you, can you bet on that? World Baseball Classic? Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Big time. You all in on this tonight? What are we doing? Stars and Stripes? Oh, yeah. I'll back the blue. I gotta back the, the red, blue. white, and blue. The red, That's... white, and blue. I don't know. You're our professional gambler. Do you have a pick for us tonight or what? Nothing tonight. I'm not, I'm waiting until Thursday, Friday when the oh, college basketball comes back. he's hot in basketball now. No CBI? You're not going to bet on the CBI tournament? Can't do it. Can't Thursday, do it. Thursday, don't they have XFL on Thursdays now? Thursday night football? Couldn't tell you. I've given up. All right. Uh, right. Have a wonderful Tuesday. If you missed any part of our show, including conversations with Mike Craven of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, he and I will be recording tonight that uh, Eyes on Texas podcast, episode number three. So be looking for that to hit the the YouTubes and Spotify and Apple tomorrow. Uh, Appreciate Mike Craven jumping in. Also, Ty Harrington, our manager. He was with us previewing the Texas baseball weekend weekend. Uh, Any of that and all of our conversations this morning. Maybe you want to hear about Larsa Pippen. No, you don't. And her four-time-a-night habit she had with Scottie Pippen, baby, back in the day. Uh, or the town of Regina, Saskatchewan. And their new slogan. Hey, Buck, have a good Tuesday, You too, guys. Be safe. Every hour, podcast at hornfm.com. Light the tower next. Tyler Campbell here, and I am excited to announce a Pro Play MS Day sponsored by Biogen and Genentech slated for Saturday, April 1st at the Higher Regency Austin. We'll kick off with the Reach panel starting at 5 p.m., designed to increase multiple sclerosis outreach and awareness. Then join Pro Player Foundation and the Campbells for our Barbecue and Boots event, 6.30 p.m., showcasing live music from the Band of Heathens, Texas Barbecue, and more. Visit ProPlayerFoundation.org for information on joining our team. A lot of folks late for work this morning with all the backups and buildups. They're still there on I-35 on the southbound side, heading out of Georgetown, headed toward uh, Highway 79 in Round Rock and even south of there to Toll 45, then slow traffic 290 to the decks. Uh, northbound I-35, Hayes County delay is finally just about done. Uh, from Onion Creek to Stasty and Ben White to Cesar Chavez, slow over on uh, 290, headed toward the ramp to 360. We've uh, got a crash there. And 2222, folks, is still backed up. Uh, this crash has been going on for a while. All lanes are blocked off for a while. This is going to be um, at the Bell Mountain, uh, off to the west of Capital Texas Highway, Loop 360. So anticipate more delays in that area. Palmer and McNeil injury crash just reported there. Here's one of Pleasant Valley, Cesar Chavez trying to wrap up. Uh, northbound Mopac, uh, William Cannon, a final clearing of that crash. I'm Don Miller, and that's your traffic. This is Scott Crossett. 
I started Apple leasing in 1985 and I thought, what a great business model. I can lease any make and model of car. My clients only have to pay for the portion of the car they're using. Heck, if I treat my clients right, I should be able to keep them forever. Well, fast forward 37 years, I am now leasing my clients' kids' cars too. But more importantly, Apple helps thousands of clients navigate the cost of the vehicle expense. That's what it's all about, your expense. From high gas prices, no inventory, high interest rates, you name it, we've seen it all. Apple leasing, our mission is to help you manage your vehicle expense. That's it. I've never seen a crazier market than today. Call Apple Leasing at 512-346-9977. We'll take the time to understand exactly what your needs are and what you're trying to accomplish. Remember, we specialize in helping you get out of your current lease. In these times, when everything costs more, we can offer a more budget-friendly option to drive a car. If you want to talk to an automobile professional that will listen to your needs on an unbiased opinion, call us at 512-346-9977 or click AppleLeasing.com. Apple Leasing, we're just leasing cars and making friends.